So if you're like me, and I'm pretty sure that you are. I'm definitely not. I'm pretty sure that you are. Because I, I know that you are just now recovering from all the festivities and revelry of Groundhog Day. Even fell on a weekend this year. Crazy. Festivities for Groundhog Day? Honestly, I, didn't, I totally even missed that it happened. How is it even a thing? I can't even believe you don't even understand the festivities of Groundhog Day. Gary, the groundhog burrows his way into houses and leaves raisin nets for all the boys and girls. <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's good. There's a parade. I mean, no, nothing? No. You didn't, you didn't even watch even watch the movie? Okay, don't judge me. I've... I've only seen the movie once. Once. Yeah, just once. What kind of monster are you? It, it is one of the classics in all cinema. I'm thinking definitely Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, maybe 12 Angry Men, definitely Groundhog Day. Yeah, really? Seriously. It's, it's one of the best. I mean, a giant woodchuck forecasting the change of seasons. You know, fantastic. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about a giant rodent predicting the weather. But if this is a thing, honestly, only six more weeks of winter here in Minnesota sounds pretty great. Dude, you're wearing flip-flops. You have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> we did, just uh, to, to bring it back, we did warn you all that if you kept listening during this time of year, you were going to hear a lot of complaints about the weather. But uh, anyway, no, Groundhog Day, you know, we, we laugh about it now, but its origins are rooted in strange superstition. And just in case you think we've outgrown superstitions as a culture, we bring you episode 58. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Hey, we've got so many things that were going on behind the scenes, are in the works. We've talked a little bit about it last week with our road trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Houston, mm-hmm. and that's all coming up, and it's on the way, and uh, we'll have a lot more to report in weeks to come, but I really want to jump into this episode. Yeah, so today uh, we're talking superstitions, and this is a really fun episode to, to mm-hmm. kind of work through and think about, but you know, I don't necessarily think of myself as an overly superstitious person, but especially the more we thought about this, I think it might be easy to miss our own superstitions because they kind of make sense to us. Mine are perfectly normal. Yours are strange. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So as we, were, as we were preparing for this episode, I looked it up and uh, superstition, it's defined as a widely held but unjustified belief in supernatural causation mm-hmm. leading to certain consequences of an action or event or a practice based on such a belief. So many big words that you just said there. And I did that in one take. Friends. And you did it in one take. Absolutely. It's so many big words. But sometimes we human people... We do weird things. Also, I've appreciated, you know, putting thoughts together for this episode. It's been really helpful because I I don't think much about superstitions. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And just uh, it's been a learning experience for me just to kind of uh, jump into this. Yeah, but this uh, this topic did kind of come up. You know, we just had the Super Bowl this past week. Baseball season's on its way. And lots of people might be thinking about that lucky shirt or hat that helps their team team win. you know, or other weird superstitions. I definitely have a few uh, sports ones, at least. Mm. Um, so we have a dog, Chloe. And uh, a couple years ago, I guess, we got her a Packers jersey uh, because we're weird like that. At but, least it's not a Packers. At least it's not a sweater. I mean, <laughs> dogs and sweaters are... The only thing worse than sweater. dogs with sweaters are people who put their dogs in sweaters. 
Well, but it, Packer jersey is totally normal. No, I hope you're not listening to this. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so she's got this jersey, and when we're watching the game, she's always wearing it. And if if they're losing, we call her name, and when she comes over, we, you know, we rub the luck out of her jersey and we send it off to the team. You you rub the luck out of her. Yeah, jersey. mostly we just pet her and assume it helps our team somehow. That's um com- completely normal. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, <laughs> Here's another one to add to the list. Okay. Uh, if we have people over and our team is losing, this is kind of like regardless of sport. Uh, everyone in the room jumps up, switches seats. Seems a bit strange, but there was a while there where it totally worked. Like the last time the Packers were like on a dead sprint to the end of the season, they won. They got it Just because we switched seats. And it, it was done. like a reset button that got the whole team back on track. And, Fantastic. you know, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing how weird it actually mm-hmm. is. It, it, it changes when you say it out loud, it, doesn't it? It's a little different when you have to explain <laughs> it to someone. <laughs> so what about you? You got to have something. I do. And, you know, as long as we're on the whole football thing, because football season's done, and I'm also a Green Bay Packer fan, as you know, and it was during their Super Bowl run in 2010, I wore the same jersey for every game, I had a, a Aaron Rodgers jersey. It was it's a black and white one. It's kind of a, a strange, kind of a rare jersey, but I wore it every game. And they had to win six consecutive games to become champs. So I wore the same jersey, unwashed, six games. So same jersey, uh-huh. six games in a row. That's right. You didn't wash it. I didn't. That's a little gross. Did they win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, yes, they did. <laughs> so- I mean, it's. It, you know, there was nachos left on there. I was saving it yeah. for later. I mean, there was, uh, it smelled. Um, delightful, I'm sure. Delightful. And I was going to say delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but you there know, you go. There you go. You know, that reminds me uh, of that that Budweiser commercial from a few years ago. It was actually, it was a whole series. And I, I think it was called, it, It's Only Weird If It Doesn't Work. And there was this one where I remember there's a bunch of guys, they're in the stands at a game and they're all holding their beers with a label out because as they say, their proximity to the field creates a connection between the bottle and the ball. That outward-facing label simulates a smoother contact <laughs> surface for the kicker. It's like magic, only real. <laughs> only real. You can't argue with that. Completely logical. I mean, he makes the kick in the commercial, so it's got to be true, it's right? It's got to be absolutely true. <laughs> My favorite one, though, it's, it's this guy. He's wearing a bunch of 49ers gear, uh, and he just shows up in someone else's apartment. Who's that? Oh, that's right. When I uh, lived in this apartment, the 49ers won the Super Bowl. I used to watch every game from this exact, this exact spot. This exact spot. I didn't know what else to do. This is my lucky seat, man. So as I remember it, that year the 49ers had knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. And when they went to the Super Bowl, I just, I was hoping they wouldn't win. And I knew that if I ever found that guy, I plan on doing everything I could to keep him off of that couch. And you know there are a lot of Packer fans out there, and they were going to make that happen. They're exactly. going to make that a reality. If that guy was real, he yeah. was not sitting on that couch. And even if he wasn't real, the guy who played that guy <laughs> was going to have issues. <laughs> Probably still does. You know, sports are, are an easy area where we can find ourselves caught in superstitions. In, in part, it's because I think whether or not you actually believe it makes a difference mm-hmm. for the outcome of the game, it's just, it's just fun. But there are all sorts of times where superstitions show up. I know when I was in college, I had a few friends and they wore the same socks for tests. And I know one of my things was I always had to make sure I was in exactly the same seat in the classroom before I took a test. 
Yeah, students are notoriously uh, superstitious. I was reading uh, that among the most superstitious people are actors, athletes, gamblers, and, and of course, students. And it was actually I was reading about it in this book, uh, Believing in Magic. It's the Psychology of Superstition uh, by Dr. Stuart Weiss. And he reported a study by Daniel and Cheryl Albus about students and superstitions. They gathered data over 13 years from more than 300 students from the University of Manitoba. And listen to this, all these different things. They reported a very common thing was dressing down, wearing old sweatshirts, a, a lucky scarf, something like that. They talked about this one guy. He wore a three-piece suit. Because that sounds like a comfortable way to take a test. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I mean, you dress for success. You know, don't dress for the job you have. Dress for the job you want. And this guy was rocking a three-piece suit. I don't even know anybody who owns a three-piece suit. But there he is. He said it was – even he said it was hot and constricting and not comfortable. (laughs) But it worked. And so he did it. I guess. And then uh, several students reported having lucky pens. There was even one person who lost it. It took out an ad in the student newspaper, posted signs all around campus saying that her her spiritual, uh, academic, and whatever well-being was all (laughs) tied up in this in this pen. So please return it. And he offered a she offered a reward and everything. There were some who reported walking around the academic building a couple of times, regardless of the weather. They did live in Minnesota. Well, it was Manitoba. I mean, they were walking around like <laughs> twice. There was one student. This I this was fascinating. Was looking for would look for a lost coin, and would wouldn't start a test until they found a coin. So would walk all over the place, wasting precious study time, wasting all. Would even sometimes show up late for the test because they had to find a coin. That's impressive. I cannot imagine looking for something for so long that you are late to or miss the test that it's supposed to help you with. But I I did have kind of a weird study thing once. I did study by osmosis. Did you go to an accredited institution (laughs) or, I mean, what what kind of of nonsense was that? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a thing that happened often, but no, really though, I I did, or at least it kind of seemed like it. Um, I think it was my junior year of college and my friend Alec and I were in the same music history class. We had a really big test coming up and we were just, we had been studying for a little while, but it was that kind of time in the semester where you're just kind of over it. So mm-hmm. we just mostly joking around and not actually studying. So anyway, we're in this study lounge in our dorm and we decided uh, to put our huge music history books on our head and we started quizzing each other. And I had all sorts of answers that I didn't know that I knew. And I definitely didn't know them 10 minutes before that. Um, we got some good looks. A few people walked in and, and said hi and uh, wondering what the heck we were doing. We were a little confused, but we did crush <laughs> the test next day. So I think it probably worked. It got the job done. I mean, <laughs> what do you want? I mean, like I said before, I, I never really thought much about superstitions before we started working on this episode. But it's absolutely crazy how much a part of it, uh, how much a part of n- normal, and watch me use the air quotes here, normal life that superstitions are. They seem a little bit nuts, but a lot of times we do them anyways. And maybe, you know, there might just be a small part of us that actually believes that they work. You know, part of the reason that we might believe some of these strange superstitions is that when maybe you're feeling the pressure of a test or if you're an athlete preparing for a game, maybe a gambler putting money on the line, there's certainly an element of chance. But maybe you also realize that you're not in control and you're maybe a little bit afraid. And it actually, in that case, it kind of makes sense to look for something that can help you calm that fear. You know, that lack of control Mm -hmm. and, and, and that fear is probably at the heart of the superstition thing. Yeah, I was reading a bit about that, how that happened with, of all people, former First Lady Nancy Reagan. 
Nancy Reagan? Really? What? What do you mean? Like, what's what was up with her? Yeah, I don't you, know this. You just don't associate her with superstitious yeah, not, behavior, don't you? Not do who you? I would put at the top of the list, exactly. for sure. Well, so Ronald Reagan was nearly assassinated. He was shot on, on March 30th, 1981. A couple months later, Pope John Paul II was shot and wounded in St. Peter's Square. Uh, a few months after that, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat was murdered in Cairo. Nancy Reagan was afraid for her husband's life, in part because of this ras- rash of, of shootings that had broken out all over, but also because of something that was called the 20-year curse. 20-year curse. Since 1840, every president elected or re-elected in a year that ended in zero had either died or been assassinated in office. And at the time, President Reagan was the oldest person ever elected president, and he was a couple months into his first term when he was shot. So Nancy Reagan had not been particularly concerned at first, but she later wrote, now that my own husband was president and an attempt had been made on his life, the historical pattern became terrifying to me. So she ultimately turned to astrology, looking for the answers in the stars through a trusted astrologer. Former White House Chief of Staff Donald Reagan wrote about it in his memoirs. Nancy Reagan wrote about it in her autobiography. And now they differ about how it was used to shape and guide national policy, which is kind of crazy to think about astrology guiding national policy. But that's a subject for another, another podcast. Given all of the options available to her, secret service, increased surveillance, military, access to the best medicine in the world, and so forth, why was she moved to consult an astrologer? Look, it doesn't matter who you are. A world-famous leader or a guy next door feeling out of control and, and feeling fear, it is a great equalizer and it causes people to rely on superstition. It gives the illusion of control. It can have the power to ease fears. Yeah, and you know, those those fears are real, even if the things that cause those fears aren't. But it makes sense that when we're afraid, we'd look for something to help us calm them. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, people take advantage of those fears mm-hmm. and it doesn't turn out well. Uh, <laughs> Dave, you told me about this a while ago, but uh, if you watch TV late enough and you do some channel surfing, you'll find the televangelist Peter Popoff selling his miracle anointing spring water. And Peter Popoff, that's his real name. Uh, yeah, we're not kidding about this. Uh, he's been doing this for years. Check this out. When you receive your free miracle spring water and anointed faith tools in the mail, just follow Reverend Peter Popoff's step-by-step instructions. Pray over all of your bills, credit cards, bank accounts, all of your debt. Release your faith and expect your miracle. Call the number on your screen right now and let the power of God erase all of your debt and live debt-free once and for all. Ask for your free packet of miracle spring water and the anointed faith tools. I just believe that the same power that moved in the lives of those whom you've just watched, people just like you, and believe me, these are unrehearsed testimonies. Men and women, they they came forward and they testified in our meetings of the great miracles that God has done in their lives. It's absolutely phenomenal. You People are seeing debts canceled, new houses, new cars, healings of the most exotic ailments, debts, lumps disappearing, blind eyes open, crippled people are walking. It is absolutely amazing. Yes, Peter Popoff. It is absolutely amazing. I'll never forget, I was watching TV with my daughter. She was little, and I just, I couldn't 
It's even amazing. believe how amazing and awesome that really truly was. You get this little flask of water and you pour it all over your bills and you let the money just roll in. You know, it's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> I guess you so. Know, maybe, maybe I'll have to get one of those or uh, maybe some miracle anointing Bud Lights. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. I, you know, I, I, I think the reason it works and has worked for televangelists for decades is that it taps into our fears our faith, and a sense that we are somehow out of control. Yeah. In so many ways, this is just like exactly the definition of superstitious behavior, but it uses superstition as a weapon and it manipulates poor and vulnerable people. And honestly, it, it just gives a character, I think, of what religion is. It kind of relegates faith to this strange superstitious behavior and, and gives people of genuine faith and integrity, I think, a bad name. Yeah. And because of all the people that take advantage of superstitions and people's fears— it's easy to write the whole thing off. If people like Peter Popoff are manipulating people's fears, it might seem that every ritual, every belief or religion might be doing so as well. It's easy to see why Han Solo in Star Wars says, Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. And if this kind of superstition is the limit of our faith... Look, you might want to hold on to that blaster. Exactly. You know, there's a long history of these types of beliefs. So in in a lot of ways, it makes sense that people see religion as just kind of an extended superstition. You know, in the ancient world, people understood the gods to require blood sacrifices to appease them, usually of animals, but sometimes even human sacrifices. And with that sacrifice, people could gain favor with the gods and get whatever good stuff might come with it. But looking at it now, it does seem a lot like Mm -hmm. superstition. But in my mind, this thing isn't about knowing what's going to happen or having your wishes granted. That's just not how I understand being a person of faith. I think being rooted in a tradition of faith helps ground you and helps see yourself as a part of something bigger. Yeah, you don't have to believe in every detail of every story to be factually true. But the arc of the story and the tradition can help you make sense of the world around you and learn a little bit more about what it is to be human. Yeah, there are rituals and practices of faith that that come with that for sure. But the point, I think, is to help us learn and grow, not call on a magical God that swoops in and saves the day. Yeah, absolutely. Look, are you doing this thing because you are expecting a magical outcome? Or are you doing it to be grounded in a reality that is bigger than yourself? To me, that's the difference between a faithful ritual and a superstition. Which, you know, getting back to that Bud Light commercial... It actually makes me think that one of the differences maybe between superstition and ritual might be if it works. What do you mean? (laughs) Well, differently than uh, maybe what Peter Popoff would have to say. But (laughs) what I mean is that we could probably spend a lot of time trying to decide whether something we do is superstition or ritual, if it's true, if it's crazy or whatever else. But maybe the more important thing is how it helps us become more graceful, more loving, uh, more helpful, like we were talking about. I was just listening to uh, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, which if you all haven't listened to that podcast, start. Pretty great. Uh, Yeah. So he uh, he and and Reza Aslan were were talking a little bit about this idea. Um, Reza had a show on CNN called Belief, and he was talking about how each episode helps the viewer come to understand the more strange beliefs and practices of a given community by the end of the show. And at the end, they don't really seem quite as strange, but take a listen. This is a show, right, that allows me to go around the world and to fully immerse myself in these other religious traditions, particularly traditions that are somewhat on the fringe or Mm -hmm. on the margins to Mm -hmm. kind of be them, to be one of them, to do what they do, to experience what they experience. 
And then after an hour of watching me live amongst these people and be them, you're probably going to be like, well, that's yeah, not that weird, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of believe something well, like that. Tell me something weird you did. I ate a guy's brain. You ate a man's brain. A dead man's brain. A yeah. human man's brain. Uh, it was a human, yeah. So I go to India and I immerse myself in this Hindu sect called the Agor. And you have to understand that Hinduism is, is predicated on this notion of purity and pollution, right? That's, that's the core of it. That's what the whole caste system is all about, right? The higher you are in the caste system, the purer you are. The mm. lower you are in the caste system, the more polluted you are. So this group essentially says there is no such thing as purity and pollution. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. Of course it is. Nothing you consume, nothing you touch can make you impure, can separate you from, from, God. from God. And for them, it's Lord Shiva. Down. But that, of course, violates core tenets of Hinduism. So the Agors have this belief, right? But they need to prove that belief. Hmm. So they take part in these ostentatious displays of self-pollution in public in order to shock the system. I mean, he ate a guy's brain. Can nice. you believe that? That's insane. Yeah, you want to you wanna think about it. I, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I realize how, how crazy it sounds, and this is kind of an intense thing, but work with me here. The point that Reza makes in this interview is that this group doesn't eat things that seem gross because God will bless them or they they're that doing so will keep God from being angry, but they do it because it helps them remember that there's no separation between people, that there isn't an in-group and an out-group. So while to my ears, at least, uh, this might be a pretty intense example, but I think it gets to the point we're trying to make. It's ritual, not superstition. Right. Ritual and superstition. A lot of people use those words interchangeably, but I think there's a difference. The Olympics are coming up, for example. Watch the competitors. Athletes, as I said before, they're notorious for being superstitious, but there's probably a whole lot more at play here. So I used to be an athlete. You did, really? <laughs> but now I'm an athlete. You haven't always just sat on the chair? Yeah, right. Well, you know, now I, no, I haven't just worn my, my, the same jersey and rubbed my dog. I'm an athletic supporter for crying out loud. At least loud. I don't leave nachos on mine. Well, anyway. there you go. Well, anyways, I, I used to be a discus and a shot put thrower, and I did that all the way through college. And I had the same thing that I would do every time. I would enter the throwing ring from the back, walk to the front, look up and out at the field where I was about to throw. And then I would walk to the back of the ring, assume the starting position, swing my right arm in a throwing motion once, and then spin and throw. I never varied from the start. To an outside observer, you might think I was being superstitious, repeating the exact same thing with a thousand throws as if deviating from this routine would result in an angry universe and a bad throw. Rather than superstition, I would say that this was a ritual connected to muscle memory. My mind and my body were in sync and knew what to do when the time came to perform. My body was ready for what was happening and, and it could fall into a predictable routine. It was warm up and practice for the main event. Yeah, you know how people look at that from the outside, I think it doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on. You know, yeah. some people have looked at communion, prayer, uh, worship as a whole, maybe uh, meditation. Uh, the list goes on and, and they've said it's superstition. But when it comes to faith-filled rituals, I see it more as, a, as that warm-up, that routine. You know, it's connected to the heart, the mind, muscle memory. You're preparing one for the next thing. Uh, you're connecting with God, the universe, the ultimate ground of being, whatever you call that, whatever your words are there. 
Um, but it's a way of connecting with the ultimate and one another. And I think when we participate in ritual, we can be more prepared to be graceful, loving, peaceful, joy-filled, because we've practiced it. We've rehearsed. We have that that muscle memory built in. Yeah, you know what? And that brings me back to that book I was talking about earlier by, by Dr. Stuart Weiss. Uh, he calls superstition magical thinking. He says it's not all he says that not all ritual or beliefs are superstitions. The dividing line, he says, are whether you give some kind of magical significance to the ritual. Think about it like this. Will God love you more or favor you more if you pray, meditate, burn incense or whatever? Or do you feel a connection to God? And in doing this ritual, are you more open to loving others? It could be that this is where the difference between superstition and ritual lies. There's this story in the Bible about Jesus healing a man who is blind from birth. It's a little bit of a strange story, but what stands out to me is that Jesus' followers ask him a very pointed question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? His followers, the disciples, are concerned with how it happened. They want to know what made this man blind, and in some ways they might be asking, what can we do to prevent this from happening? What supernatural force caused this? But Jesus responds, saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It would be easy to spend a lot of time thinking about whether the superstition works. It would be easy to take time to critique whether or not the superstition or belief about how it happened was true. If I change seats during the game, does my team actually score more points? If I put a book on my head while I'm studying, do the facts actually sink in? But in doing so, we might miss what's happening. In the story, the disciples see a blind man and wonder why. What caused it? But Jesus doesn't buy into the superstition in that way. He turns the story on its head into a practice of healing. Jesus sees an opportunity and helps the man to see. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Maybe when we talk about whether or not a superstition or belief works, we can look toward things like extending grace, bringing out the best in others, and healing. If it's weird, but it brings about goodness, joy, peace, and healing, then maybe it works. Otherwise, maybe it's just superstition. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all the things going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. You know, we keep working hard to, to build this virtual community, and we love meeting and connecting with new people and hearing from you. So drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes and join the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.